0: Lord is good. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We have with us, as I mentioned before, some of our favorite people in the world, Terry and Renee Mize, are here. They're people that do missions work all over the all over the world, and they're blessing people by the multitudes. Thousands of people are blessed by their ministry every day. You know them. They've been with us a number of times, so I won't take any more time. Talking about them, I'll just introduce them and let them come talk to them themselves. Would you welcome with me, Terry and Renee Myers, please?
1: Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Love you. Appreciate you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Pastor. Good morning. Isn't the Lord good? Yes. I said, Isn't the Lord good? Yes. Say this with me. I know God is good, I God. and I know His word is truth. Not true, truth. Jesus said in John 17, Father, thy word is truth. I tell you, I discovered that scripture when I was a teenager and it absolutely, Pastor Mike, it did something for this teenager. It absolutely, I, I realized that Well, if, if, if this is the truth, I mean absolute truth, and Jesus said it is, then uh, if I can find it in the Bible, I can take it to the bank. Amen? If I can find it in the Bible, I can make it work. Isn't that right? Well, it's a delight to be here with you today. I appreciate uh, being here. And uh, we we uh, weren't able to come last year because of the crazy thing the world is going through. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I and as, as Pastor said, you're one of the favorite places we like to come as well. But uh, I made this statement many times this last year that, that I I trust and I hope and my prayer is that if any good, if anything good can come out of this biological scourge of COVID, if anything good at all can come out of it, I I hope it's that the church of Jesus Christ realizes that uh, we let it shut down the church. Hello? Hello? I mean, the church folded like a cheap suit. We let it shut down the church, and it stopped missions. In other words, people went to hell because of it. You know, Renee and I had had a huge crusade planned for last May. We had told you about it uh, in our previous time I don't think we even said where we were going because it was so dangerous. We just said, a Middle Eastern country, and we'll let you know where it is uh, as it gets a little bit closer. But we had committed to, to do this crusade in Pakistan and the Muslim nation, and uh, we knew for a fact we were going to have at least 100,000 people in the crowd, at least 100,000 Muslims. And uh, we had already committed, Renee and I had already committed to rent 600 buses uh, to bring the people to and from the crusade e- each night. Uh, at hundred dollars a bus was, you know, just sixty thousand dollars already up front we had committed just for the just for transportation to to get people there, and uh, when it when it canceled when COVID came along and Pakistan shut down like everybody else did, it uh, they canceled it, told us we couldn't have it, <clears throat> and Pastor Mike, I, I I grieved over that. I'm still unhappy about it, but I, I grieved over it for several months because I, I told Renee, I said, you know, if I don't go to If I don't go to Foothill, it's no big deal, you know. If I don't go to our partner churches in America, it's no big deal. If they don't hear me preach, it's no big deal. They're they're Christians already. If they die, they'll go to heaven. Isn't that right? I mean, if I didn't come in here and preach to you today, you're you're good. You know, you're going to heaven. But those 100,000 Muslims, that would have been there to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, to hear that Jesus is Lord hear that God, Jehovah is God and he created uh, this world and he sent his only son Jesus who died on the cross for us. Amen? And by believing on him, you can live with him forever. Those people that didn't hear the gospel, should they die before somebody preaches them the gospel, they'll go to hell. Kind of sobering, isn't it? They literally will go to hell for eternity simply because we couldn't get the gospel to them. So I pray if any good thing comes out of this terrible scourge, I, I trust that, it's that the church wakes up and says, you know what, we, we, we've, got to, we've got to be the church no matter what. We, we've absolutely got to be the church no matter what we have got to stand this, this 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 is the day we were we were created for as pastor said earlier this is this is why we've been teaching you faith for the last 40 years 50 years isn't that right this is what it's all about but anyway uh, i grieved over that for, for for months and i'm still hurting over it and we've got it rescheduled for this coming september but but I just grieve over the fact, and, and, you know, Renee and I just doubled up. We said, well, we're going to preach. We can't go in person. We're going to do video. And so we started sending videos into, into Pakistan, and we're on a television station there that reaches 182 nations, and, and uh, we, we pay extra every, every month to have our, our voices dubbed over into, into Urdu, the, 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 the language there of Pakistan, into Urdu. You ought to hear Renee preaching Urdu. She does a good job. <laughs> and... Uh, <clears throat> And so, you know, we're just doing. We know I've done conferences by video, and by Zoom, and, and video, uh, in video in Mexico and in Bogota, Colombia, and Peru, and um, in, in Ukraine, uh, in the UK, England, uh, uh, just all over the world. And uh, we're just we're just not going to quit. Let me give you a report real quick, and and I need to get on with what I'm doing today. But uh, you guys were so faithful, and you have been for oh, I don't know, at least 10 years, i have been so faithful to help us with our Christmas Orphan Project. And uh, uh, we literally didn't know what was going to happen this year with that project because of COVID and because of people hurting and people losing their jobs and, and things going on and America being crazy and the world being crazy. We just didn't know what would happen. So every year we have this project, as you know, that you're, you get involved with every year. Uh, Pastor Mike and Beth are very faithful to do that. And... Uh, and, and so uh, we just send Christmas money and gifts and help to orphanages. And we started out uh, with two orphanages. And this year was our best year ever. We, in the, during the pandemic, this, this was the best year ever. And uh, we were able to give to 35 orphanages in 22, 22 nations uh, and, and five different feeding programs. We were able to dig five water wells and give uh, clean water, fresh water, to help you know, people stay alive. Uh, we put roofs on three widows' houses and uh, bought, a, bought a van for an orphanage, a girls' orphanage in Myanmar, which is Burma, uh, bought a van for them, and uh, just over and over and over. And so there's a, there's a brochure we just put out. Those of you that are on our mailing list got it. Uh, if you're not on our mailing list and you'd like to get this, well, if you'll give us your address, we'll send it to you. Or you can just, you, you online, people, you can just go online to TerryMiles.com uh, and, and find it there. Uh, but anyway, we just appreciate your help, this church's help, uh, in what you did. And uh, we, we even were able to help 200 uh, children here in America on the Navajo Indian Reservation get Christmas to them. And, uh, and so our theme this year was help, uh, help this Christmas send Christmas. So you helped send Christmas uh, to these kids. And not only Christmas, but we were able to feed uh, two whole gypsy villages. And then since, since, the, since Christmas... Uh, there's a village in Romania, a gypsy village in Romania, that uh, 27 houses burned to the ground. I mean, totally destroyed. No loss of life, thank God, but everything was lost. Uh, 27 homes just burned to the ground. So uh, the last time I was in Romania, I couldn't go this last year because of COVID, but the last time I was there, I talked to the government because years ago I built a gypsy village. I just took a poor gypsy village that were just living in abject poverty uh, in the dirt and, and Drinking in the river, bathing in the river, animals going in the river and, uh, you, you know, dying in the river. And, I mean, just, and they just just nasty, unsanitary, horrible conditions. And we literally uh, went and got uh, uh, 10 acres of land in a beautiful little meadow and built uh, brick homes for them, duplexes for them, uh, and just moved the whole villages up and moved them and put them, put them from, from there to there. And it's just a wonderful deal. And we were just going to do it over and over again. And all of a sudden, the Romanian government got a new regime. You know how that happens. We do that here too. And, uh, and all of a sudden, the new regime says, no, we don't care. And so they wouldn't let us do it anymore. Uh, but the last time I was there, year before last, because I couldn't go last year, the government called me in. And they said, "They said, Dr. Myers, if you're willing to do that again, they said, we know you did it once, but if you're willing to do that again, we will give you the land. The government will give you the land if you'll build the houses and I said I'll do it in a heartbeat if you guys will keep your word, uh, but y'all have promised me several things over the years about orphanages and other things that you haven't kept your word about. But but I'll uh, we'll do it. And so the government just sent me a message after this uh, 27 homes burned, and they said we'll give you the land if you'll if you'll help those people. And I said we'll do it, and uh, we can build a we can build a duplex for five thousand dollars. That's pretty cheap for any of you builders. Uh, five thousand dollars we can build a brick duplex now we don't put bathrooms in them we, we put a we put a string of duplexes together and put a, a common bathhouse, showers and bathrooms and all that uh, where they can all go to the common bathhouse. and we dig a water well so they have fresh water and we put gardens behind every house and so on and so forth but anyway so we're we're in the right in the big middle of doing that we committed i said i, I told him i said well it's 27 families i said so we'll build we'll build 15 duplexes which will house 30 30 families, so we're right in the midst of that. So anyway, you can read about all that in here, and that'll that'll bless you and help you. Yesterday, uh, we buried uh, one of my spiritual fathers, uh, Fred Price, and uh, I was honored to be asked to make some remarks. I started speaking, not speaking. Everybody had like three minutes to make some remarks, and... Uh, And, of course, it was sad on the one hand just because he deserved a funeral fit for a king. should have been thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon tens of thousands of people there, but because of COVID it was limited. I think they told me 500 were there or something like that. And, of course, others everywhere around the world watched it online. But, uh, uh, anyway, I'm going to just say something to you about fathers and mothers in the faith. We Desperately need them. Do you hear me? We desperately need fathers and mothers in the faith. We need people that we can, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And, and I can tell you that I, I, I have been a success in the ministry all these 53 years and had the miracles I've had and done the things that we've done because in large part of my father's in the faith over the years, and uh, Pastor Mike could attest to the same thing. Just, just uh, you know, when we when we lost when we, when we lost Brother Hagen, I know a lot of people. It's real popular in the Word of Faith circles, our circles. It's real popular today to say, "Oh, don't say you lost somebody. You didn't lose them. They're, they're 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 in heaven. We know where they are." And I say, I say, get off that. Don't insult my intelligence by telling me some stupid thing like that. I say we're not talking about loss like a wayward sock you lost in the dryer. We're talking about it's a great loss. Fred Price not being here is a loss. You know, I buried a son, I buried a wife, that was a loss. You know, when we buried Brother Hagan, that was a tremendous loss to me. I had known Brother Hagan since I was 16 years old and, and just, just, I mean, got to move to Mexico as a missionary and, and back and stayed alive with people trying to kill me because of what that man taught me. Isn't that right? So it, it, it is a loss. Of course, they're not lost, but, it's, but it's, it's a loss. When my son died, somebody said to me, Oh, Terry, he's not lost. You know where I said, I said, Hey, you're about to get busted in the mouth. You say that to me, you better duck. I said, Because it is a loss to me. I said, I know he's in heaven. I know I'll see him again. I know he's in my future. I got all that spiritual stuff. I'm a preacher, I know the Bible. Heaven's real. God's not the God of the dead, but God of the living. I know that. I said, but right now, I'll never have a cup of coffee with him again. We'll never hunt together again. We'll never fish together again. He'll never walk in the house again and say, hi, Dad. You know, it's it's a loss to me. And burying Fred Price yesterday it, it, it is a loss. The times I spent with him over the over, friend, personal friends for over 40 years, and the things he spoke into my life and, 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 uh, so I'm just telling you, you need spiritual fathers. And uh, I don't understand people, I don't understand Christians, charismatic Christians, word of faith Christians. I don't understand Christians that would leave a church that's preaching the word where a strong man like Mike Webb's one of the strongest faith men I know. And uh, that people that would leave a church because it's too far to drive or, or it's not convenient or... or You know, the music's too loud or the building's too cold or they preach too long or my baby got bit in the nursery or, you know. I've had so many people over the decades, you know, friends of mine, partners of mine, and and they'll say, uh, oh, Brother Terry, we're we're not at so-and-so church anymore. And I say, well, why not? And they give me some lame, you know, excuse. There are no reasons, they're just excuses. And I ask every one of them the same thing. Every one of them, I've even gone to see some of them, taken them out to eat and said, what, talk to me about this. And uh, uh, I've asked every one of them, but is your pastor now a pastor like your old pastor that knows spiritual authority, that will fight hell over you? I mean, when the devil shows up at your house at 2.30, that pastor will, will fight hell for you. And every time they've said No. Every time, I've never had one yet, say, so, y'all, yeah, oh, yeah, my new pastor's that great. Everyone, said, no, no, he, he, he couldn't do that. No, he couldn't do what my old pastor did. I'm saying, you're subjecting yourself and your wife and your kids to, to that kind of thing? I, I, we don't understand how strong and how, how powerful and how important spiritual fathers and mothers are. That we can walk out. Thing. I, I'm living today by so many. I remember one time John Osteen. I was driving John Osteen around. I was, I was 18 years old. and my, He came to preach at our church in, in West Texas. And my pastor, for some crazy reason, didn't want to drive him around. I, I never understood that. And so I was an 18-year-old kid and the youth leader. And the pastor said, Terry, would you like to drive Brother Osteen around while he's here? I said, yeah, I'll pay to do it. <laughs> I'll do it every day and twice on Sunday, man, any time. Yes. And so I drove him around all week. He had partners and friends in two or three different towns around, one town 40 miles away, another town 20 miles Man, I just was happy as a hog in a turnip patch uh, to drive him anywhere he wanted to go. And, and, and one day we were driving, and, and I didn't talk to him. I just kept my mouth shut unless he said something to me, you know. And so I'm just sitting there driving the car, 18-year-old kid. And he said, uh, he said, Terry, and I said, yes, sir. He said, God is a good checker player. I preach that sermon here. And uh, I said, yes, sir. And and I just kept driving and waiting. He didn't say anything else. I kept thinking he would <laughs> expound on that. Nothing. And so after a few miles, you know, I said, sir. And he said, he said, yes. I said, may I ask you a question? He said, he said, of course. And I said, what does that mean? <laughs> what do you mean God's a good checker player? And he said, well, son, he said, uh, "it." it if it's your turn, God won't move. He never moves out of turn. He said, if you're praying about something, fasting about something, believing God for something, confessing something, uh, planting a seed for something and it's not happening, nothing's happening, he said, you need to stop and see whose turn it is because it, be, it may be your turn. Maybe it's not God's turn. You think you're waiting on him but he may be waiting on you. You better check and see if it's whose turn it is. That little three minute conversation changed my life forever. From that general, from that general saying that little bitty, God's a good checker player. When I was 18, I still live by that all the time. It has saved my life. It has made me money. It saved me money. It's kept me alive around the world. I mean, I, I, I still use it today. Just from that little phrase from that spiritual father, from that man of God. And we, we need spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers. Amen. You know, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 9, two. He said, I'm not an apostle to everybody, but I am to you. What a powerful statement. He said, I'm not an apostle to everybody, <laughs> but I am to you. See, Pastor Mike's not a pastor to everybody in Orange County, but he is to you. Or is he? That's up to you. That's not even up to him. It's up to you. To receive a man, to receive a woman, as a man of God, a woman of God in your life, to, you to receive them. Well, I'm not preaching on that today. Boy, it'd be good if I was. <laughs> I was just thinking about Fred Price yesterday. Isn't that amazing? What, what, what words from a general, words from a man of God, a woman of God, wor, wor, just a few words over, over the years. You know, I've been in the jungles, I've been in rivers, I've been in the mission fields, and all of a sudden I'd have some problem, and all of a sudden I'd remember something one of my, one of my spiritual fathers said. You just remember something they spoke into my life. Those things are invaluable. You can't put a price on them. Amen. Amen. Y'all still here? Renee, come on up and greet the people. Praise the Lord. And uh, I need to get off of this and go somewhere else. You coming up here? come up hither
2: (laughs) hallelujah what a blessed day that we live in what a glorious 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 opportunity and responsibility that we have as the light of the world the church in these last days you know i just i'm just so proud of all of you i'm just so proud of all of you serving god and being here to represent the kingdom of God as the body of Christ comes together. But then, you know, when you go out there to the grocery stores and the workplace and the PTAs and the all of the things that are going on in the school with children and family and business, it's such a marvelous thing to know that when you get there, God gets there. Yes, yes, yes. You know? Uh, Terry was talking about Fred Price's uh, passing and all that goes on there, uh, go, went on there yesterday. Uh, we have some guests that came this morning to hear Terry from the church there. Brother and Sister Thompson, we're so glad you're long-time here. long
1: friends, partners. We're
2: longtime friends and partners, and they brought guests. And uh, we're just, you know, we're all in here together trying to do a work for the kingdom of God. Wherever we've been called to. And you've been called right here, just like we've been called to go do what we do. That's right. And uh, we're all in this doing the kingdom of God work. We're doing kingdom work. Everybody say that. Say, we're doing kingdom work.
1: We're doing kingdom work.
2: You know, slap your neighbor. Wake them up. Tell them we're doing kingdom work here. You know, you can't afford to fall asleep in church. You may miss your cue, you know. Uh, It's so important. What you're doing here, and, and just everything Terry was saying this morning about, you know, uh, fathers in the faith. My first husband and I pastored 38 years in Corpus Christi, Texas, and I, I know the meaning of coming out of a wonderful church, Pentecostal church in Louisiana that I was raised in, and then marrying into Lakewood Church with Pastor John Osteen, and then, uh, you know, just receiving from Brother Hagen and Brother Sumrall and Brother uh, Roberts and all of these marvelous men of God that build on the inside of you spiritual bricks, you know? They put the house up. They build the spiritual house on the inside. And that's where God comes and lives, is the house you build on the inside. And I want to encourage you to receive from Pastor Mike, I, I don't know how we can do that, but I, for one thing, want to just take the first half of the service, the music and the exhortation Pastor Mike gave you, I could hardly stay in my seat. It was so right. Yes. Yes. Don't you all love to hear things that are just right? Yes. They're just the truth. And like Terry was saying, thy word is truth. It's just the truth. And when we realize that we're hearing truth, you'll know on the TV when you hear a lie. I grew up in the Pentecostal church and I knew how to hear truth. And thank God I started yelling at the TV at a very young age. <laughs> I, learned new, I learned to have conversations with a lying newscaster. And I learned to rebuke a weather report that I didn't want. And I'm telling you, there's a there, everything about that's going on in the world, the earth, the Christians. Oh, earth, oh, earth! <laughs> You've got to talk back to it. Because if you don't talk back to it, their words are going to control you. And I cannot afford that for my family, my children, my grandchildren. I cannot afford to take the world, the world's word for it. I have to take God's word for it. Amen. I have to find the place where it's written and talk back to that evil report. Everything Pastor Mike said is, I I sat here and I thought, what a spiritual father he is to this church to say those things and read those passages of scripture. Just like Jesus did in Luke chapter four, he stood up and read where it was written about himself. Well, Pastor Mike stood up this morning and read to you about who you are and God's intention towards you in Deuteronomy 28. Everybody shout, I'm blessed! I'm blessed. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, sometimes you just fake hell out by being loud. And and that's just one of the best ways to win is just get loud. They don't know the difference, you know. And uh, just all the wonderful things you can do in spiritual uh activity that will win over the oppression of hell in your own personal life. What a blessing we have in Christianity to be autonomous with our own spiritual authority. I'm not codependent on anybody else. I can use my own authority for myself. Um, I just want to say again here about the, the flyer. It's the brochure. It's so powerful. If you can go online and read it or if you get our office and talk to us about that. We're just so thrilled to send one to you. Uh, Pastor Mike and Beth, for years, just even in the years that Terry and I have been married, the last six and a half years, I've just seen this church's check come in, and what a blessing it always is. We just want to throw a party, (laughs) you know, because we know we're going to get to help that many more people. We ministered this year to, uh, you know, to over 40 different works now, Pastor Mike, we've ministered to, in 21 nations. 22? 22. We keep losing track because we keep giving out money. Money keeps coming in and we keep giving it out, you know. And we are so thrilled that we're able to do that. And then our podcast every week that we have on, Terry Mize Ministries, is on YouTube and on Rumble and on LightSource, and we're going on more and more. But the, the reason is, is not to, you know, not to have your name out there, but to get the Word of God into the hearts of people, keep the body of Christ stirred up, pumped up, <laughs> you know, ready to do the work of God, uh, that that we're faithful. If you can't be faithful in a local church and you can't be faithful in the local work, Proverbs says every fool has his eyes on the ends of the earth i'm going to be great out there no you need to grow where you're planted they that are planted in the house of the lord shall flourish in the courts of their god <laughs> you know every blessing in the word of god is to help you flourish and prosper and grow and be in health and live long and see good days regardless of what's going on around you and I guess the only other thing I have to say is just to tell you we're here to wash your feet with the Word of God and to love on you and encourage you and to just uh, cause your estimation and value of who you are in the kingdom of God to expand and grow because you are so valuable. And so important to what God is doing in the work and in the earth today. God bless you, and we love you so much, and are so thankful for the stellar leadership. I tell you what, I just Terry and I, everywhere we go, we'll we'll if we have whatever the conversation is that comes up, that we just brag on this church and and such marvelous wonderful leadership you have here in this church. These are real pastors that love the people. And I just love the fact that Mike is so cool. He's just, Pastor Mike is just so deliberate about everything that he's saying to you. And there's no fluff. There's no hype. There's no, this is the rock solid truth. And that's why we come is to hear the truth. Amen. God bless you. We love you.
1: Praise the Lord. Well, how many of you know she can preach? Amen. Stand up with me if you would, please. Praise the Lord. Father, I'm so thankful, so grateful to be in church today. I'm just like David. He said, I was glad. I was happy. I was delighted. I was cheerful. I was hilarious when they said unto me, it's time to go to church. Thank you for the church. Father, Renee and I lament over the church. Even this morning we were talking about the church and what the church needs to do and how the church used to be. Father, we we pray that the church be the church. The church triumphant. The church victorious. The church that's the light in this darkness that we're living in. Thank you, Father, for the church. And Father, I thank you and I ask you as I've already talked to you about that I'll not speak of myself nor in the flesh, but the Holy Spirit, the greater one that indwells me, rise up big within me now, think through my thoughts, speak through my lips, minister words, words today that'll get on the inside of us and create faith, for faith comes by hearing the word. And as we hear your word today, Father, faith will rise in this house. Faith will rise. Faith will rise in this house and in our lives. And as faith rises, you're able to touch us at the point of our faith and do miracles. Thank you, Father, for ministering to us today, leading us, guiding us, directing us. Tell us secrets today. Speak speak to individual hearts and things that only they've been wondering about and give them an answer. And Father, I say that we'll be able to leave this house today saying, Surely the Lord, not, not Terry Mize, the Lord has ministered to us. That we can leave this place with our head up and our shoulders back, realizing we're bigger than we thought we were. We're better than we thought we were. And we can do more than we thought we could do because faith stretches us. We can do the impossible and we thank you for it and give you glory and honor and praise and majesty and dominion in the majestic and holy name of King Jesus, a name that heavens never failed to honor nor hells never fail to tremble at, the name of Jesus Christ the righteous. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. 2 Corinthians thirteen five. the apostle Paul says something to us that we ought to set up and take notice about and put bells and whistles around it and draw lines under it. Second Corinthians thirteen five, he said, Examine yourselves. Paul said, Examine yourselves. Who's he talking to? He's talking to you, talking to me. Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you. Unless indeed you fail to meet. The test. i tell you it's, it's examination day. We need to examine ourselves all the time. Anytime something happens, anytime something comes down the pike, goes on, comes on television, uh, we, we ought to examine ourselves and see how we reacted to it or responded to it. Did it scare us? Or did we rebuke it? Did we recognize it as a lie and not the truth? And say, I'm not listening to that. See, we need to examine ourselves. Every time something goes on, we need, every time a politician stands up and opens his or her mouth, we ought to examine ourselves and say, I, I, I know the truth. Hallelujah. That's what neighbor was saying a while ago. When, you, when, you're, when you're schooled in the truth, when you know the truth, then it's easy to recognize a lie. When somebody comes and stands up behind a microphone or a TV camera or a pulpit or whatever else and and opens their mouth and tells you a lie, if you're schooled in the truth, it'll jump on the inside of you and say, that's not right. That's not true. That's not the truth. But if you're just eating every old thing that comes down the pike, you know, then you won't know the truth. You'll have truth mixed in there with other stuff. Brother Hagin used to tell us, be as smart as an old cow and eat the hay and spit out the sticks. (laughs) Even a cow knows how to do that. Eat the hay, it's good for you, but spit out the sticks, they're not good for you. So I, I believe the congregation is smart enough and godly enough to know I've always believed this all my life. I believe, you know, when a preacher stands up and is telling you something they know for a fact and they've lived and they've done it, been there, done that, or if they're just preaching something they heard somebody else say. I believe you can see through. I've I've always prayed, Lord, make me transparent. Let people see right through me. To know that this stuff I'm preaching is, is the truth. The truth. So Paul said, examine yourself, examine yourself, examine yourself. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 14 is a powerful chapter. I know you can't find it in your Bible, but it's uh, <laughs> after Proverbs, you go to <laughs> Song of Solomon and Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is called the preacher. And Ecclesiastes seven fourteen makes a powerful, powerful statement that I've lived by for a lot of decades. And it says this, in the day of prosperity, Rejoice. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. He said, but in the day of adversity, consider. Consider. See, anybody can live by faith in the day of prosperity. When things are going good, hey, praise the Lord, glory to God, thank you, Jesus, praise the Lord, pass the mashed potatoes. Skies blue, the grass is green, the birds are singing. Isn't everything just wonderful? Yay. Well, nothing wrong with that. That's what God tells you to do. He said, hey, in the day of, of prosperity, enjoy it. Rejoice. Have fun. He said, but, but in the day of adversity, he said, then you need to change things a little bit. In the day of adversity, he said, consider. Consider. Sometimes it's the day of adversity and you just have to stop and consider some stuff. Amen? Now see, last January, a year ago, gee whiz, America was just running on all eight cylinders. Man, the economy was at an all-time high. The stock market was at an all-time high. Unemployment was at an all-time low. America was on top and rising. It was the day of prosperity. And there's nothing wrong with you rejoicing in that and getting excited and saying, praise the Lord, isn't this great? Man, the, the economy's great. Unemployment's great. Uh, <laughs> America's great. This is, this is good. Amen. We had a president in the White House that believed that you ought to go to church and believe that God's God. Amen. Amen. believe you ought to say Merry Christmas It will be being forbidden to by the last guy that was in there. I mean, it was a day of prosperity. And I don't know about y'all, but I rejoiced in it. But all of a sudden, COVID hit. And uh, COVID's a real weird, misunderstood, I don't know if any of us understand any of it, because it's just, it's got such a high recovery rate. (laughs) And yet, and yet people still die from it. So it's a a dichotomy, It's it's a, it's a weird deal right you know we, we've for the first time in america we've quarantined healthy people we've never done that before ever i remember when i was a little boy in the 50s we had this horrible disease called polio it was so horrible 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 and uh, uh, i I'd drive down the road with my grandparents or with my parents and and we'd, we'd drive down a block and there'd be a house on that block that says quarantine drive down another block or two house is quarantine they quarantined the sick people, and uh, but we didn't shut down churches, we didn't shut down business, we didn't shut down anything, we just kept on going. and uh, But it was a horrible, deadly, contagious, terrible disease. And I remember on 10, 10 o'clock news at night, of course we're in California, y'all have 11 o'clock news, but on, on the news at night, um, as a little boy who liked to get out and ride bicycles and climb trees and build forts and throw rocks and you know, that sort of stuff. I mean, I was just an outside all the time. Uh, I, I would see on the, on the news reports at night, they, some of y'all are old enough to remember this, most of you aren't, uh, they had these things called iron lungs. Anybody remember iron lungs? And, 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 the, and they'd show them on the news every night, every night. And it would scare me, I mean, it would scare me. Because mm. I like to get outside and run. I, I couldn't imagine being inside this thing they called an iron lung. Because it, 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 was, a, it was a cylinder, a metal cylinder tube like a casket, only it was round. And it had a hole in the end of it where your head stuck out. Stuck out. So, so the sick person with polio just lay inside this tube and just their head stuck out. And I tell you, I just thought that was the biggest horror and the biggest terror in my life to, to be trapped like that and not be able to get outside and, you know, run and play and do stuff. But thank God, you know, we whipped it. And then in the 60s, when I was a teenager, uh, tuberculosis was a big deal. And our government went all over the nation building special hospitals they call sanatoriums. And they, they forcibly put tuberculosis patients in them. You didn't have a choice. They put you in there. But we quarantined them. We didn't quarantine everybody else. I remember I had an uncle that had tuberculosis. And they, 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 the judge sentenced him to be in a sanatorium. They took him forcibly and put him in a sanatorium. And after a few weeks, he got to listen missing his wife and girls, and he escaped and came home. And uh, I remember the police coming after him and arrested him and put him in a police car and took him back to the sanatorium, you know. And then, thank God, we, we whipped that. And we've had lots of other diseases that are highly, horribly contagious. Look at AIDS. We never quarantine anybody, sick people are healthy people. But we've got to be very careful. We've got to watch out. And, and the church has to be th- the front line Vigil. We're the ones they should be looking to, not us looking to them, them looking to us. Amen? And um, (laughs) let me say this to you. Being a missionary for 53 years and going to all these countries I've been to all these 53 years, I've been to all the communist countries, horrible dictatorships, horrible communist nations, horrible deadly regimes, evil regimes, where people are just treated like horse and animals. I mean, I can't say enough bad things about communism and socialism, because I've been there, done that. I know kids today that hadn't been there, done that, say, well, what's wrong with that? Sounds good to me. You know, I like free stuff, you know. Well, don't kid yourself. But anyway, uh, over all these years, I've noticed, I've noticed about communism and socialism that they have, to have, they, that they have two enemies. And if you're going to be communist or socialist, you must, 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 M-U-S-D, must get rid of those two enemies. And that is the middle class and the church. Go to Russia, go to China, go to Cuba, go to, go to all these, Venezuela, go. And, and they attack the middle class and they attack the church because those are the two enemies of communism and socialism. Are you here? We've got to destroy the mom and pop business. You know, COVID's a really smart disease. It won't bother you at Walmart. (laughs) Won't bother you at Target. Certainly not at Home Depot or Lowe's. Or the tattoo parlor or the liquor store. But it'll sure get you at church. And it'll sure get you at a mom and pop business. Now, you know... I used to always say, we're not stupid, but sometimes I wonder if we are. It's like, I'm, I'm not so stupid to think that it won't get me at Walmart, but it will at the mom and pop store. That, that there's just no sanity to that. And then, then they want to say, hey, this is science. There's no science to it. Are y'all here? I know all of y'all have done that. Well, maybe y'all haven't. You know, in Texas, we, we're, we're good. We're open, we don't, have, we don't wear masks. We don't, all the businesses are open, I mean. When, when we got here, we got here the other night at LAX, it was like we get her done Another planet, you know. I thought I needed my passport. I'm in a foreign country. It's like, what? And uh, <laughs> it was a shock. But uh, I told a, I've told several hosts and hostesses at restaurants. I don't think y'all can go to restaurants, but we can. And uh, um, it's fun. You ought to try it sometime. Now we're going to we're going to Michigan this week, and of course we can't go in restaurants there. You know, the restaurants live. Yeah, never mind. But I've told several hosts and hostesses there at the there at the restaurant. You know, they've said I need you to put on a mask. I said I said sure. I've got a mask. I, I carry one for people that i got. I even got a black one, match my suit. Because I didn't know what I was going to run into this morning. You know, but but anyway. Uh, I said, said, I'll wear a mask, but I said, where's my table? Right there. Do I have to wear my mask at the table? No. I said, okay. So COVID (laughs) can't get me here, and it can't get me at my table. (laughs) But those 15 feet between I'm not making fun of COVID. It's a disease that kills people. It really is. It's horrible. It's terrible. I hate it. I'm just saying COVID's real, but the numbers are hyped. That's why we're all, everybody's so confused because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that it won't get me here or there, but it will in between. It it just doesn't make sense. I mean, we we like things to make sense, right? And again, I'm not making fun of the disease. It's horrible and people have died from it. I, I get that. I understand that. I've, I've, I have no people that you know that, that I know, friends that have died. I get that. But it's just we, we, we don't understand what they're telling us because what they're telling us makes no sense. We understood polio. We understood tuberculosis. We, we, under, we understand things like that when it makes sense. But when the purpose is to shut the church, when the purpose is to shut the church, and the purpose is to shut the mom-and-pop business, the middle class. Get rid of the middle class. Then it's it's a more of a diabolical plot than just you know complying. I'd say it's the day of adversity. And in the day of adversity, we need to do what? We need to consider. We need to consider. You know, I you know I'm a pilot, and. Uh, Every airplane that you get in, doesn't matter if it's a a one-seater propeller airplane uh, or if it's a four-engine jumbo jet, it it doesn't matter what it is, every airplane, just like every car, has an instruction manual in a glove compartment. And so, uh, and and they have, if you get that, that, when you get in an airplane, you, you need to learn, you need to know what speeds you can fly that thing at, what's safe, and so you look in the manual, and the manual gives you several speeds for that plane, for that particular plane. And every one of them is different. And so there's a, there's a speed called top speed. Well, that means just put the pedal to the metal. I mean, just jam the controls to the firewall and go as fast as you can. Just like you could do out here on a, on a nice sunny day on a, on a straight freeway. Just I mean, hammer down. That's top speed. But then there's cruising speed. Well, that's the speed you're supposed to go at. You know, that's, a, that's what you should have that airplane at is cruising speed. Not top speed, but cruising speed. And that's, and that's like your car. I mean, you get out on the highway and it's, the speed limit's posted. That's the cruising speed. Whatever the speed limit is, that's the cruising speed. But then there's, a, there's another speed in that manual about every airplane, and it's called maneuvering speed. Now, maneuvering speed is the speed you need to slow down to if there's a problem. Okay, so if the pilot's just going along, y'all have all been on an airliner and you're just going along, everything's just fine. I mean, everything's wonderful. You're just sitting there reading a magazine or watching a movie or doing whatever you're doing, and all of a sudden you feel that plane just slow down. I mean, your body just kind of goes forward, like, and sometimes it feels like he just stopped and parked. You know, sometimes you look out the window and say, "Did we just stop?" I mean, what's the deal? I mean, it's it's a drastic slowdown, and you can feel it. Well, what's happened is that he he's either been told by other planes or he's been told by the by center of the control tower, he's, he's been told there's turbulence ahead or either he's just run into turbulence that he didn't know about and all of a sudden things started shaking around and so he slows down to that maneuvering speed. Now maneuvering speed is the speed that you can still go on the trip, you can still take your course, you can still run your race, you can still do what you're supposed to do, but you, you need to slow down to do it or you're going to jerk the wings off the thing because so that turbulent air is in there and it's just jerking around and, and if you just keep going top speed or cruising speed in that horrible turbulent you can jerk the wings off. So you slow down to maneuvering speed. This is a speed. It's like being out here uh, uh, you know, on, a, on a windy road going up in the mountains to, and, and, it's, and it's a rainstorm. You, know, you slow down. You get in control. You consider. Amen? Maneuvering speed. I don't know how many of you have been on a cruise ship, but every ship has these monster weights in the the hull of the ship. You can't see them, but they're in in the hull of the ship, these monster, monster, monster weights uh, uh, called ballast, and they're on hydraulic screws. And whenever the the seas are, are calm and great and wonderful, then they keep those weights pushed to the center. So the gravity is in the center of the ship. And so you're just going along, people are in the swimming pool and they're playing whatever, shuffleboard or shooting shotguns or golfing balls out in the ocean. Just everybody's having a ball. But then when bad weather hits, then they'll make an announcement and they'll say everybody go back to their cabin. I've even seen them where they drain the, drain the water out of the pool and I mean just take everything, I mean batten down the hatches. And when they do that, they, they, they take those hydraulic screws and they, and they screw those weights out to the edges of the hull, to the edges of the ship. So now your weight's out here, giving you more stability than when they're in the center of the ship where you can just go on like everything's great. But you, 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 he slows down to maneuvering speed. Are, are y'all with me? Yes. You know, when, when, when my kids were, were growing up, and then, of course, with my grandkids, I do the same thing, um, I used to have a phrase... I'm not sure it's politically correct anymore, but, but, but I used to have this phrase where if I had something come up in my spirit, what we Christians would call a check in your spirit, you know, something, something hits your spirit like it, something's not right. Well, I had this phrase where I'd say, oh, the natives are restless. There's something wrong. There's, there's some, and I'm talking about spirits. Sometimes there's spirits out there and something, something's going on. I don't know what it is, but I know, I know it's, they're restless. And I know they're, they're, they're on the prowl. And so, uh, uh and, and I've lived by that. I've watched that all my life. And so sometimes, you know, my kids, little, little kids, or even when there's teenagers, you know, they'd come in and say, oh, dad, somebody's having a birthday party next Friday night. Can we go? I say, sure. You know, hey, dad, can we go to this school function? Sure. Hey, dad, can we go to this ballgame? Sure. Hey, dad, can we go to the movie? Sure. But all of a sudden it gets time to go. And all of a sudden I'd get this check in my spirit. Y'all ever done that? Man, I'd get a check in my spirit and, uh, I, I just say to my kids, I say, kids, I'm sorry, but uh, the natives are restless and you can't go tonight. You can't go tonight. What's wrong, Dad? I don't know what's wrong. I just know I just know it's not right. I just know I've got something in my spirit that that I want my chickens I want my chickens home where they're under my feathers here and uh, where, you know, I know what's going on. And I don't have many of y'all done that, but I've done that <laughs> all these many, many Many, many years. I, I, for over twenty years, I've actually taken different churches that I know and their partners with our ministry. Uh, I, I've taken their youth groups to Jamaica to win souls. I, I'm a soul winner, and I can teach you to be one. So I, I take them to Jamaica, and I personally train them and teach them to win soul. They win souls like shooting fish in a barrel. And so, and so, I, but I always have chaperones. Like if a youth group came, then I'd say I'd tell the pastor, I'd say, now, now, forever, teenager, you send me, uh, forever, five teenagers, you send me, send me, send me a, send me a chaperone. You know, so, so uh, send me an adult that can be... And so when we get there, I have an orientation with everybody and I tell these chaperones that same story and I say, now, now, probably everything's going to be great this week. Probably everything's just fine. We're just going to go on. We're gonna, we got stuff planned to do. We got soul winning that we're doing. We got restaurants we're going to. We're going to go to the beach one day. You know, we're going to go to Dundera Falls one day and climb the waterfall. You know, we got a whole schedule of things we're going to do and it'll probably be all right and everything great. But I said, but if you ever hear me say... The natives are restless. You get those kids either if we're gone, you get them in, back in the bus, or if they're out in the swim pool at the, at the hotel, you get them back in the rooms. And I said, and if you get anything in your spirit, you come to me and say, and say, but the natives are restless. There's something in my spirit. And, and we'll, and, and so that always did us well. And I can tell you several testimonies about disasters happened right after we left a restaurant or something. Somebody came in with a gun or somebody did, just, just had it in our spirit and said, everybody on the bus, everybody on the bus. You know, I told them, say, don't argue with me about it. You can talk to me about it when you get back to the hotel. If you think I'm wrong or whatever, fine. But when I say the natives are restless, you move and get those kids. And you know, my my kids and my grandkids over all the years, now that they're my kids are old folks, you know, and my grandkids are grown. And so they've all come to me over the years and said, you know, Dad or Papa, uh, I never liked it when you told us we couldn't go somewhere because the natives are restless. but But yet it always gave us a sense of security that we knew we knew you had something in your spirit and we knew that it was safer for us to be home. We didn't know what, but even even though we didn't like it, we told you we didn't like it and we fussed about it, we we still felt better because we knew that you knew what you were talking about. Does that make sense? What am I talking about? I'm just talking about in the day of adversity, consider. There's just times to pull in, put the ballast out, slow down to maneuver and speed. Amen? So in the day of adversity, consider. In the day of prosperity, have a ball. Say this with me. Fear and faith cannot live in the same house. Fear and faith cannot live in the same house. Fear and faith cannot live in the same house. house. You are people of faith and fear has no business with you. And you have no business with fear. We, we, better than anybody on the planet, know that. And yet I'm amazed at seeing uh, fear in the church. I'm not talking about taking precautions and, and doing all the things the CDC recommends. I'm, I don't have a problem with any of that. I don't have a problem with you wearing a mask if you want. I don't have a problem with any of that stuff. I'm just saying don't get in fear. Amen. You know, you know, I'm a missionary for 53 years. I, I, infectious diseases have been my home. <laughs> you know, I've gone to all these countries over all these years. You know, and I've, I've been in with the lepers and the leper colonies, and I've been with the, the most infectious and diseases around anywhere. And uh, you know, I've, I've prayed for many a people over those years, and and I'd come back with my hand with a bloody froth on it because of where I laid my hands on on somebody's you know infected. Body, so, so I don't ever think anything about that. I mean, that's, that's infectious disease has been my bailiwick for, for, you know, for over five decades now. So I don't think a lot about it. I just, I just always know it going in and uh, pray about it going in, take authority over it, take spiritual authority over it, you know, and always, you know, come back and, you know, wash my hands or scald myself or whatever needs to be done. And, uh, but, you know, we, we cannot get in fear. You get in fear and you're in trouble. Because fear and faith can't live in the same house. And we understand that fear and faith are are the two most powerful spirits on the planet. Fear is from hell and it motivates hell. It moves hell. And faith is from heaven and it motivates heaven and moves heaven. And they're spiritual forces. They're not mental forces. You know, when you're driving along and somebody pulls out in front of you and you have to slam on the brakes and skid around, you know, and, and uh, it scares you, you never grab your head and say, oh, that scared me. You always grab, you always grab here and You say, oh, it scared me. Oh, that scared me. Because it's a spiritual force. It's not a mental force. It's a spiritual force. And you say, oh, that scared me. And there's nothing wrong with something popping up and scaring you. It's just you can't stay in fear. You know, when I was just a teenager, the Lord showed me one day. I could just see on the inside of my body, you know, just just, uh, and on the inside of my body in yours, uh, I just saw these these two meters. I could just see it. I could just see it in the spirit. Uh, I saw a faith meter and a fear meter, and and I and I saw how they were working. That they couldn't ever be both full at the same time, and they couldn't be empty at the same time. They 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 fluctuated in relationship to what the other was doing. So in other words, if you're full of faith, you're empty on fear. And if you're full of fear, you're empty on faith. You know, Jesus said to the disciples one time, he said, how how is it? He questioned it, he wondered, he said, how is it? (laughs) You've been with me so long and you have no faith. See, he said they had how much faith? Zero. He said they had zero faith. You ha- how is it that you have no faith? But remember what had happened before he said that they were scared. The Bible says beyond measure. You can even measure the fear. They were exceedingly fearful, right? And so when that fear meter just this is going along, you know, and the faith is here. Jesus is in the boat. They're going to the other side. They're all happy as a clam, and that storm came up and as it got worse and worse, and it was a bad storm, I'm not making fun of the storm like I'm not making fun of COVID. It's a real deal. Storms kill people. And those guys were sailors. They'd been on that water all their life. They knew that water. They weren't weekend warriors. They, they knew what that water was like. And when it got worse and worse and worse and water started coming in the boat, their fear meter just shot to the top. I mean, they feared beyond measure. They, they feared exceedingly. And what happened to their faith? They went, and Jesus said, how is it? You're at zero. How is it? You have no faith. And then another time he said to them, oh, uh, ye of what? Little faith. Well, now they're not at zero anymore. Now they got a little. They, they, they were down to zero. Now they got a little. Oh, ye of little faith. Well, but that means their fear meter is still exceeding their faith meter. Isn't that right? They got a little faith now, and that brought the fear down a little bit, but they're still in fear. How is it you have no faith? Oh, ye of little faith. Then Romans 12 says, uh, God's dealt to every man the measure of faith. That's what I call average faith. You know, when I was in the military, I don't know how y'all were in the military, when I was in the military, but they took us down uh, that first week, they took us down to the quartermaster's. Store, and they issued us what they wanted us to have that we were going to need. They issued us two pair of combat boots. I mean, a pair of combat boots is just a pair of low quarter shoes or lower shoes. They issued us dress uniforms. They issued us uh, battle fatigues uh, uniform. They issued us hat for whichever one we needed. They issued us T-shirts and underwear. I mean, everything we were going to need, they issued it to us. We all got the same thing. And that's what Romans 12 tells us is that we all went to the quartermaster store and got issued. When you got saved the day you got saved. God issued you the measure of faith. You got the same amount Kenneth Hagan got. You got the same amount Oral Roberts got. You got the same amount Fred Price got. You got the same amount Mike Webb got. Same, everybody got the issue. Standard faith. Standard issue, the measure. Now what you've done with it since then is entirely up to you because it could go down to little, it could go down to no. See, faith comes, Romans 10, 17, by what? Hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Well, faith also goes. Faith comes, faith goes, depending on what you do with the word of God and how much fear you're allowing. Because if you got faith up here and fear down here and all of a sudden you get scared, then faith goes. Fear comes, faith goes. So we got to have to immediately get the faith going back up here again. You all know my hitchhiker story. Where I was 24 years old living in Mexico as a missionary, and I, and I was driving through the countryside uh, on my way to, to Guadalajara, and I stopped and picked up a man by the side of the road hitchhiking, Mexican man hitchhiking. I stopped and picked him up. He got in the car. We took off down the road. He reaches in his coat, pulls out a pistol, cocks a hammer on the pistol, shoves it hard into my ribs. I'm driving the car. He shoves it hard into my ribs, reached over with his left hand, grabbed my collar like this, and so I'm driving the car, and he's got me pulled over like this and got this gun in my ribs and a hammer cocked. And he said, I'm going to kill you. Only in Spanish. Te voy a matar. And it scared me. You know, I'm just minding my own business, driving the car, and all of a sudden, bam, a gun's in my side, cocked hammer, you know, my cock over here. And he's screaming to me, I'm going to kill you. So it scared me. Right? But I knew immediately, I don't mean three seconds later or an hour later, I mean that instant I knew fear is going to get you killed, boy. You better get rid of that fear. And so I said, fear, I rebuke you. <laughs> I didn't even rebuke him, I rebuke fear. I Fear, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. God said he's not giving me the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. The word says fear has torment, but perfect love casts out fear And God's love. And I've got God so fear, you go, you get out of here in the name of God, I will not fear. Wow. And I mean, it just went and, and, and I never was scared again. T.L. Osborne told me years later, he said, Terry, the favorite part, my favorite part of your hitchhiker story is where, it, it, it's where uh, the guy shot at you five times and the bullets didn't hit you. And then he made you go out in the cornfield and you all were standing out in the cornfield. And he said, he took your clothes, took your car keys, took your wallet, took your money, took everything you had, left you there in the cornfield and he turned around and walked to the car intending to get in the car and leave you there and you called him back. (laughs) Because I said, I charge you in the name of Jesus, come back here. He just turned around and walked all the way back out there. T.L. said, you you called him back with his gun. (laughs) He said, most people would be delighted to to get away with their life, let him have the money and the car keys and the car, let him have all that stuff. God, God saved your life. He said, you called him back with his gun. And he said, "You know why that's my favorite part?" I said, "I have no idea." He said, "It proves you weren't scared." He said it absolutely is infallible proof that you were not scared. Cuz here you were with your life and he's going to get out of your life, he's gone, and you call him back with his gun. He said that proves you weren't scared. So, see, I, I never was scared. I mean, I, it scared me that first instant, but I had to deal with that fear. I had to immediately deal with that fear. Fear and faith cannot live in the same house. Say it again. Fear and faith fear. cannot live in the same house. <laughs> so, I had to get my faith back up here. And all the rest of the time, I just kept my faith right up here. Okay. And I'm confessing the word, and I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling Him what the word says. I'm telling the Lord what the word said. I'm telling the devil what the word said. I'm telling me what the word says. <laughs> And you got to do that sometimes, man. I'm telling everybody what the word says. Talking to me, talking to the devil, talking to God. I'm saying, Father, your covenant says, this isn't about me, this is about you. You're the faithful God to keep the covenant. Your covenant says, Jesus himself said in Luke 10, 19, that, that he gave me power or authority over A-W-L, all power of the enemy and nothing, N-O-T-H-I-N-G, no thing. I spelled it for God, I really did that. I said, N-O-T-H-I-N-G, no thing. Shall by any means hurt me. And that means this man, his gun, his bullets cannot hurt me. So if he pulls the trigger, I expect you, and I'm driving down the road about 80 miles an hour, I expect you to do something with the bullets. And I said, And you don't have much room to work with since his gun barrel's up against my side. But you know, my, my job was to believe. And I said to the Lord, My job's to believe this thing, your job's to do it. Amen? So. Fear and faith. Fear and faith. Fear and faith. You cannot. You cannot. You cannot. You must not. You must not operate in fear. You need to recognize that fear every time. You know. You know. For the first time in history, let me tell you what's happened throughout history in, in America. When there's been a, a disaster, a catastrophe, an epidemic, a pandemic, a disease, uh, a plague. Uh, Anything, anything's gone wrong, 9-11, anything that's ever happened bad, all of a sudden when that happens, fear comes. Right? People were scared out of their minds after 9-11. Mike, we had, a, we had a preacher's convention in October after September 9-11. We had a, pre- a faith preacher's convention in Dallas in October and no preachers showed up. Just, just a handful of us showed up and we said, where's the, where's the faith preachers? Guys that had come every year to the convention and weren't there, we said, why aren't you here? Well, uh, I'm just, I, I just don't feel like it's safe to fly. Are you scared? I mean, faith preachers. So anyway, what happens when there's something like that? Fear comes. And so the world runs and jumps in the foxhole. And rightly so, they have no place to look. And so what happens in the foxhole is after they're in there, then they, then they peek their head up just to see over the edge and see, is there anybody out there that can help me? Is there anybody out there I can look to? And so they see the church. They've always seen the church. And they say, oh, wow, look at that guy. Look at that woman. And so they go to them. And, and the church has increased. But with covid when it hit, the world ran all, ran and jumped in the foxholes. And then while they're in the foxhole, they looked around and the guy next to them is the church. And the woman over here is the church. And it's like they have no hope. If the church is in the foxhole, where is the world going to look? If the foundations be destroyed, the Bible says, what will the righteous do? The Bible said if the, if the, if the righteous are scarcely going to be saved, What's going to happen to the wicked? See, the wicked are looking to somebody that can save them. They're looking to somebody that'll say, hey, it's going to be all right. Hey, watch me. Do what I do. Say what I say. Do what I do. That's what Paul said, didn't he? He said, said, follow me as I follow Christ. Don't follow me just because you like me just because I'm a nice guy. Follow me as I follow Christ. Why? Because it's working for me. Follow somebody, it's working. That's why we need such powerful pastors like you have that I honor so much and respect so much that'll stand behind this holy desk and preach you the truth and then live it in front of you. Are y'all here? You get anything out of this? Yeah? Paul said, examine yourself. Well, see, this is the time we need to examine ourselves. And if you're looking around in the foxhole and the church is in there with you, then then you need to be the one that climbs out and says, follow me. (laughs) Come on, guys. Come on, girls. Let's go. Follow me. I know where we can go to church where where they're not scared. I know where there's a pastor that's preaching the truth. See, we desperately need these fathers and mothers of faith. I said yesterday in my remarks about Fred Price, I said, you know, the the attributes of God, when you think about God, the attributes of God are faithfulness, faithfulness, diligence, and order. God's a God of order. He's got a lot of other attributes, but I, I think of those three. And I said, and when I think of Fred Price, I think of faithfulness, diligence, and order. And see what, I don't know how many of y'all knew Fred or watched him on TV, but if, if you didn't or don't, this won't mean much to you, but all of us that do, we get it. Fred was so meticulous. Yes. That's being kind when they said. He was just so, he was just so straight. But to me, I always thought he was being orderly. And what people thought was mean See, all of us faith preachers, they say, you're mean, you're arrogant, you're cocky, you're bossy, you're demanding, you're controlling. That's what they say about all us faith preachers. Why? Because we stand up and say, I'm not going to get sick, I'm going I'm, I'm to prosper, I'm going to be healthy, I, you know, I'm not letting the devil do this, I'm not letting the devil do that. And so they say, oh, you're, you're mean. You know, you're arrogant, you're cocky. You know." And so, I can remember the old days. Desmond, you'd remember the these old days over, over on Crenshaw Street before they built the dome. <laughs> people would stand in line for hours to get in and then, then they couldn't get a seat. I mean, they'd show up for hours early. I, I remember ladies would show up in their, in their hair rollers. Right. Were y'all around in those days? Did, 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 yeah, ladies would show up in their hair rollers and their bathrobe. And then they got this whole get ready kit with them. And they'd stand in line outside right there on Crenshaw Street. They'd stand outside in line and getting ready. And they're doing their hair, taking their rollers out and they're doing all this stuff and getting their makeup on with the mirror. I mean, in line while they're moving along the line. And then when they got time to put their clothes on, then they'd get somebody to stand their place in line. They'd go into the restroom and put their clothes on and they'd come back and in line again. Well, in those days, you know, you just couldn't get a seat. So Fred, when he's preaching, he'd see you sitting there and nodding off to sleep. So he'd say, wake up. Or he'd just go over to you and shake you and say, wake up, how dare you sleep when I'm preaching? There's people outside that need your seat and want your seat. If you're gonna sleep through this, then you get up and give them your seat. And see, people thought that was mean. They thought that was bossy. They thought that was arrogant. They thought that was controlling. No, no, no. I always saw it as order because he knew the secret. That's what I said to the people yesterday. I said, he knew the secret of God that it's the natural things that make the supernatural work. Wow. Brother Hagan told us that all of our lives. He says, the natural things that make the supernatural work. I, I run my ministry by Brother Hagan saying that. I run my ministry to having my crusades overseas. I'd, think, I'd hear Brother Hagin's voice in my ears. Uh, it's the natural things that make the supernatural work. The order. the order. So I'd even, I even use it to pick the place I'm going to put my platform. I had, a, I had a medical doctor one time in Texas that heard me preach on, on missions and said you, ought, you should follow, always follow a disaster with a crusade, follow a hurricane or a tsunami or an or a earthquake or a horrible, horrible disaster, follow it up with a, with a crusade. Well, what I meant was after they bury the dead and after you do search and rescue and after you get over the shock, then several months later you follow that with a crusade and get people saved. And well, he thought, it, he thought I meant just right now. And and so there's a there's a hurricane in in a place in Mexico, and he called me up and said, "Hey, I'm gonna do what you said, have a crusade after the disaster. So so uh, I'm gonna pay for it if you'll go down and preach for me." Uh, and I said, "Oh no, Doc, we can't do that now. I said, we we gotta dig bodies out, and we gotta they're still trying to find their kids and their grandma. And I mean, the, you can't have a crusade now. We we gotta now we now we help now we go help and, and feed people and and, and, and you, you know, <clears throat> well he would listen went well, on anyway, but. He called me and he said, "Oh Terry, he said I have found the most ideal place to have this crusade." And I said, well, "Yeah." And he said, "Yeah." He said, "I went out of town about about twelve miles," and he said, "It's just gorgeous." He said, "It's a valley with a creek running through it and the trees." He said, "It must be like where Jesus preached." It's just, it's you know, he's just being a charismaniac. You know, sweet little Christian charismaniacs—they just get goofy and it's just gonna be so wonderful and it's gonna be so great and God showed me we're gonna have 40,000 people, blah, 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 blah. And I said, doc, doc, doc. He said, what? I said, you're nuts. You're tripping. You're a charismatic. I said, it's the natural things that make the supernatural work. I said, you're putting your crusade 12 miles out of town is a dumb natural move that won't allow the supernatural to happen. How are they going to get there? These are poor people in a village in Mexico. How are they going to get 12 miles out there every night to your nice little Jesus Valley? And I listed off several other dumb things he's doing. Nice guy, wonderful guy, good Christian, you know, friend. I love him. Still love him today. But you know, it's like none of this is going to work, Doc. You're doing all the wrong natural things and it's the natural things that make the supernatural work. Are, are y'all, y'all hear what I'm saying? Yes. You know, when I go look for a crusade grounds and I say I go to India or Africa or wherever, I drive around the town for a while just praying in the Holy Ghost, but I'm looking for a natural place that the supernatural can work in. I'm not looking for a supernatural place. I'm looking for a natural place. And so, what do I want if I'm going to have a crusade? What's the name of the game in crusades? Numbers, people. Because you're preaching salvation, so you want as many as you can. Right? If we're just doing a Bible study. Hey, numbers don't count. Let's have 12 people, five people, three people, 100 people. Fine. But if we're doing an open air crusade, let's have 100,000. Are y'all here? because we're going to pray for miracles. We want sick people to be there. We want blind eyes to be there. We want deaf ears to be there because God's going to open them. But God can't open them if they're not there. Isn't that right? Dean and Renee, Dean Renee's husband, Dean Garner, uh, in the church they pastored for 38 years there in Corpus Christi, they invited me one time and they said, Brother Terry, come down we're going to have a pastor's conference and there are going to be 100 pastors and their wives and uh, we want you to speak to them on, on miracles and how to have miracles. And so during that session, I told those 100 pastors and their wives, I said, now I can tell y'all how to have miracles. I said, Pete, that's what they invited me to do. I can, I can tell y'all how to have miracles. I said, but you're not going to like it. Because it's not hard. And you, you want it hard. American Christians want it hard. They want it difficult. It's just, when it's, when it's easy, they just think it's not good. And I said, so the, the secret to having miracles is show up. If you don't show up, you're not going to have any. Show up where sick people are. Now, if you don't show up where sick people are, you're not going to get anybody healed. And I told those pastors, I said, I'm going to say something to you. Don't don't, don't get mad at me and throw your Bible at me. Let me me finish. I said, I've had more blind eyes open in my ministry. This was decades ago, wasn't it? I said, I've had more blind eyes open in my ministry than all of you pastors have put together. I mean, all of you put together, I've had more. I said, I've had more, I've cast out more devils than all of you put together. I've had more cripples walk than all of you put together. I've had more deaf ears pop open than all of you put together. And I said, wait a minute, before you get mad and throw your Bible at me, I said, let me tell you why I have. I said, cause I've prayed for blind people and I've prayed for deaf people and I prayed for crippled people and I prayed for demon possessed people and I said most of you pastors have never done that not 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 degrading you I'm just saying in your churches you probably don't even have a deaf person you probably don't even have a blind person you probably don't have a demon possessed person and it's not the piano player you know and but but I said you know most of you pastors have never, never had a blind eye open and you've never, ever, as you may have a blind guy in your church, but he's never come down for healing for his eye. He's come down for healing of the cold and the flu and, and or for a new job or, for, or for to bless this or bless that. He's never come down and said, hey, I, I'm blind, I want you to pray for my sight. Hello? And see, that's, that's, that's what I, I taught those guys that day, those guys and girls that day, that you need to show up. It's a natural thing. And you need sick people. If you show up where, what T.L. Osborne used to always say, where the, go where the hurting people are. If you go where the hurting people are, you're gonna help somebody. If you go where nobody's hurting, you're not gonna help anybody. Does that make sense? So, you know, during this time of COVID is an ideal, excellent time for you all to go to the hurting people people that have lost their jobs, people that are scared, and just and, and wear a mask or, and wash your hands and do whatever they want you to do. I mean, I'll do anything. Paul said, be all things to all men that you might win some. I'll, I'll play any game you want to play if I can get you saved or if I can get you healed or if I can get you helped, but I'm not going to get in fear. But d- does that make sense? I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be hard. I'm trying to be orderly. Mike, I know you've been in some of Fred's services over the years. He used to always go into these meetings and he'd he'd put they'd, they'd put a line of tape on the on the right here. And so when he'd finished preaching, I mean every night, every time, he, he'd, he'd go through this litany of things he, he would he would say and do. And he'd say, he'd say, now if you want prayer, if you're if you're seated there by yourself then bring your belongings with you, bring your purse, ladies, bring your Bible, bring whatever belongings you have with you and come down here, stand on this line, put your toes on this line, do not cross this line, do not stand back from the line, put your toes on this line, put your belongings on your right side on the floor, not on your left side, on your right side and I'll come down and pray for you. Well, see, again, people thought that was bossy and and arrogant and mean and and blah, 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 blah. It's just order. Does he understand how to get their attention, to get them healed. And if you, you know, he told me one time, he said, Terry, if I don't do that, he said, if they can't follow those orders, if they can't do something as simple as bring their purse and stand on the line and put their purse down, how are they gonna hear from God? How are they gonna do something God tells them to do? But see, faithfulness, diligence, and order. Faithfulness, diligence, in order. Those, those are attributes of God that we, we, the church needs to get back to. We've gotten to be such a helter-skelter church these days where all oh, let's just watch it on TV or let's just do this or let's just do, you know a lot of churches are going to go under because people that left uh, t- during the pandemic all oh, never come back. There's churches that are just gone now, they're just dead because they, they w- all of a sudden everybody in America became a televangelist. Have you ever seen so many people get on TV and have a podcast and a broadcast? It's like, well, what are your credentials? Where did you come from? How long have you been saved? What, what have you ever done for God? Do you, do you pay tithes? Do you, do you pray? <laughs> See, we used to look for those attributes. If you're going to teach me, I want you to, I'll come here. you teach. I, I want you to be faithful. I want you to be diligent. I want you to be orderly. See all this, all this teaching on hyper extreme grace. You know where where they say you can live like a pig and be blessed like a sheep. God doesn't care what you do. That's just totally wrong. There's no there's no order in that. There's no diligence in that. There's no faithfulness in that. You think God's just gonna bless you? You out here running willy nilly, doing anything you want to do, and God's gonna bless it? You ever talk to somebody and they say, no, no, that's not right. Now here, here's how God deals with me. Here's how God showed me that. Renee and I always laugh and say, wait, 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 wait. Heaven's getting a notepad so they can write this down. <laughs> God's just been waiting for you to tell him how, how he would do it. Oh, God. I always tell him, I say, no, God doesn't deal with you like that. But here's how God deals with me. I say, no, he doesn't. What? I say, no, he doesn't. He does he like he does everybody else. He's got the word and the Holy Ghost. All right. <laughs> huh? I know the Bible says that, but Terry, but. I know the Bible says I'm prosperous, but I'm broke. I know the Bible says I'm healed, but I'm sick. Goat Christians are always butting something. But, 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 but. I know God says that, but. I know the Bible says that, but. See, there's no order in that. There's no faithfulness in it. There's no diligence in it. So I can, I can hear anybody teach. I can learn from anybody, but they're going to have to be diligent, and they're going to have to be faithful, and they're going to have to be orderly. Otherwise, what am I trying to? What am I, what am I ever going to learn from them? Hey, it's going to be the day of prosperity again. So rejoice when it does. Just rejoice. I, there's nothing wrong with you rejoicing the day of prosperity. In fact, you can do more for God, give more money, help more people. You know, I'm delighted this year. We we had our best year in a year of pandemic. Partners gave, churches gave, people gave. And we were able to help more orphans and and, and feeding programs and and, and villages and poor people, widows and orphans, than ever. I mean, than ever. And by the way, you might want to know this. We we give 100% of everything that comes in to where you send it to. Now, obviously, it has expenses, you know, but we just decided years ago we would cover the expenses out of my ministry, out of Terry Miles' ministry. So Terry Myers Ministries covers the expenses of what we call JMICF, Jackie Mize International Children's Foundation. So even though even though the law allows a charity, allows you to take so much percent, I think, what is it, 25% or something for your operating expenses, like pay your secretary, mail your mail outs, you know, do that kind of stuff. We just don't do that. We, so whatever you, whatever you guys sent, 100%, 100% goes right where. Go right where you, you send it to. So well I need to quit. It's eleven thirty. I didn't ask Pastor what time I was supposed to quit, and he he uh, he either was gracious and didn't tell me or forgot. So uh, did you get something out of all this? Say, say say it one more time. Fear and faith cannot live in the same house. You believe that? This really is the time for the church to shine. This really is our day. Our day. You know, I started preaching this, this word of faith message from the time I was 16 years old. I'm 71 now. Mike's been preaching it all these years. You know, Brother Hagen, Brother and Fred Price, all these guys. Are taught. are we, We've taught you this confession and word of faith and, and healing and pro, prosperity. We've taught all these decades just for this day. Yes. Yes. Now's the time. Now's the time. Now's the day of adversity. Now's the time for the church to shine. And to say, I know the world's doing this, and I know the world's doing that, and I know the world says that, and I know the politicians say that, and I know the scientists say that. But here's what God says. And as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Well, stand up with me, if you would, please. I enjoy being with you guys. This is one of my favorite places to come. Mike and Beth are some of my favorite people. We count them as our, our close circle of friends, not just, not just preachers. And uh, it's always an honor to come here. You know, you know, there's churches. I go to all kinds of churches. I have all kinds of partner churches everywhere. Uh, and, and, and I love them all, and I preach for them all. But there's some you go to where they, they receive you and they pull on you. And, and this this is this is one of those churches where I, 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 I could preach way too long, because you guys don't you know you just say hey preach some more hey I'm hey I, you know so y'all are just pulling on me all the time, uh, making demand on that gift and, and that office. So I, I tend to go over my over my time because of that. Other churches I say I better quit, man. They're tired, <laughs> they're they're bored, <laughs> they're 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 dipping their Bibles up and purses up and gathering. You know they. I better hush because they're not listening anyway. <laughs> but, uh, but this church is always such a, such a delight and always such a danger for me to preach too long because you're just sitting there going. <laughs> so I, I appreciate that. That's a sign of well, well teaching. And so I appreciate that. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for this great church. Oh, Father, I appreciate this great church with a great pastor, with a great congregation. With a great God, with a great vision, to get the gospel to the world. To name the name of Jesus where it's not been named. To shine the light where the light's dim. To be a lighthouse that you've called it to be. Shining that glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the nations. Thank you that it's a city set on a hill. That people, people look to this church and say, I want to be like them. They're not scared. They're not upset. They're living blessed and healed and prosperous. So I pray your blessings on them. Blessings, blessings, blessings. And Holy Spirit, Jesus said to us that you, you the Holy Spirit, you would bring all all things to our remembrance that we've been taught. So in the days and weeks and months and even years to come, when the devil sticks his ugly head up and it becomes a day of adversity, Holy Spirit, bring this word today back to them. They'll hear my voice in their ears saying, fear and faith can't live in the same house. And they'll move on the word of God and see victory. I thank you for it. I thank you for it. I thank you for it. Father, I pray right now healing and blessing and increase for every person watching online and every person here in the house. I pray the tangible anointing of the Holy Ghost of Acts fall on us now. Yeah, right there. Mm. The destroying anointing. Your word, Father, says that the anointing destroys. The anointing destroys the yoke. The anointing destroys COVID. The anointing destroys AIDS and HIV. The anointing destroys cancer. The anointing destroys leukemia, lupus. The anointing that destroys the yoke. The anointing of the Holy Ghost of Acts. Fall in this house today. Saturate us from our head to our feet. Fall on those watching online right where they are in their home or hotel or hospital or wherever they're watching from. The anointing saturate their room and saturate their body and destroy what's not of God. Your word says the power of life and death is in the tongue. I speak death to disease, cancer, die. Disease, die, COVID, die, in the name of Jesus. Get out of their bodies, and I speak life, the zoe life of God, to live and not die, and declare the works of the Lord. Now receive that right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're the healer. Jesus is the healer, and we thank you for it and give you glory. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, praise the Lord. Father, we'll not have no faith, we'll not have little faith, we'll not even have average faith. Paul said, Paul said, though I have, or Jesus said he hadn't seen such great faith in all of Israel as among the two Gentiles. Though there's great faith, Paul said, though I had all faith, can move mountains. And then there's the God kind that Jesus talked about in Mark chapter 11. He said, have the God kind of faith. Thank you that when he said that, that tells us that it's available to us. It tells us that there is a God kind and we can have it. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We covet your prayers. And remember, every Thursday, we put up a new podcast on YouTube. Just go to YouTube. If you'll just take your phones and go to YouTube and go to Terry Mize Ministries. And if you'll subscribe on that, and like it, and click on it, and, and hit the little bell, it makes, it, it helps us, it, it, it doesn't cost you anything, it's free, uh, but it makes uh, YouTube think we're important, and so they let us still, you know, do stuff, so the more likes we get, the more subscriptions we get, the more they think we're cool, so uh, even though they don't much like what we say sometimes, and I've been telling people lately to send us your email, because if we are being shadow banned, and so, you know, if, 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 it, if it comes to the point sometimes that they just get rid of us, well, at least we'll know how to find you. So uh, uh, it's a crazy world we're living in, but we're the church. We're the church. We're the church. We're the church. We're the church triumphant. Amen. Pastor, come rescue these folks. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Thank you.
0: What excellent teaching we just heard this morning. Hallelujah. 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 I want to encourage you to go to our website and give toward Terry Mize Ministries. They're doing a fantastic job. They've been doing a fantastic job for a long time. But their faithfulness is something that should be honored. So let's pray as we dismiss. Father in heaven, we thank you Thank you for bringing us outstanding ministers like Terry and Renee. Thank you, Father, for building us up in faith through the teaching of the Word. Holy Spirit, open our eyes, our spiritual eyes, that we might truly see and recognize who we are because of the work of Jesus we love you father we thank you for bringing us into the fullness of everything that you have for us in these last days in Jesus precious name amen amen God bless you